Turn with me, please, in the scriptures this evening. Two verses we looked at last Friday, I believe. Romans chapter 1 and 15. Romans 1, 15. Spirit of God speaking through Paul said, For as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Hallelujah. Ready to preach. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. How many know you wouldn't be ready to preach if you were? You need to be confident of what you believe in. And that's where your confidence will come to share. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. How many think all of us should feel the same way? We're not a, don't let any unbelievers intimidate you about what you believe. If what you believe is true and they don't believe it, they desperately need it. And even though they may be blind and lost, don't let them shake you. In fact, your confidence will shake them. <laughs> no matter what they do or how foul mouthed they may be or how intellectually accusative they may be, if you just look at them like, dear one, you get ready to know the truth. Come see me. And they hear an unshakable confidence in you. They won't be able to forget it. When they're trying to go to sleep. and They may mouth all kind of stuff. But it'll come back to them. It'll come back to them. Why? Because the spirit of truth. Will remind them of truth. Is that right? And convict them of the truth. And if you got the truth in you. You're a walking light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Walking witness. Beacon of light. In this dark world. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. G-man, gospel man, a G-woman, gospel woman, hallelujah, truth man, truth woman, glory man, glory woman, hallelujah, light man, light woman, thank you Lord, you are, is it true, are we light, are we in this world? We are to be. And of course some lights are brighter than others. But uh, it's not like you're destined to dimness. If you're not as bright as you'd like to be. Well stoke her up. Is that right? Fire fire up the furnace. Let it burn hotter. Let it burn brighter. Get fervent in the spirit. Hallelujah. I feel like a fellow could preach in here today. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> well, it's the truth. Don't let, don't allow unbelievers to intimidate you. Ever. I don't care who they are. I don't care what position of power they may be in. I don't care how much money they have. Makes no difference. Everybody's going to die in a few breaths. Is that right? And they're going up or down. And it's reality. Now, don't let somebody pull you in to arguing and fussing and trying to match wits. 
That's you trying to be proud and trying to show them up and prove them wrong. If somebody doesn't want to hear it, I don't care how perfectly you deliver it, they still will not hear it. How many scriptures you know, how perfectly you explain it. They don't have to hear it. They don't have to believe it. They don't want to. They won't. So don't be pushy and don't be argumentative. It can be challenging not to get sucked in. When people get all, you know, at it with an attitude and mouthy. But uh, you'll have a greater impact if you stay above it. And you stay calm and you just keep loving them in spite of their silly self. (laughs) And you just tell them, hey, if you want to know, if you decide you want to know later, come see me. Call me. We'll talk. Right? But they see in you something no amount of reasoning can shake. No amount of skepticism can move. Hallelujah. Because your heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. Your heart is established. Hallelujah. Because you know him. This ain't theory. This is experience. You've been born again. And you know in whom you have believed. Hallelujah. And you are fully persuaded. That he is faithful to keep all that you have committed to him against that day. Glory to God. And that's not in any of my notes. (laughs) But it's good. It's good. It's right. Hallelujah. Well, it is in this text, isn't it? It's in this text. We better read it again. Everybody better say it. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Come on, let's say it together. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. See, two things. You're not pushy. You're not demanding. You don't come across holier than thou and know it all. You don't. And if people don't want to hear it, you don't try to push it off on them. But at the same time, you are not ashamed at all of what you know and believe. And you're not intimidated by anybody who doesn't believe. Because you know what you know. And you know who you know. Hallelujah. Not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now here's what we're just talking about. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. How God is just and the justifier of those that believe in Jesus. God would not be just in blessing you and I and saving you and I if he didn't do it for everybody unless we believed on Jesus. Hallelujah. When others would not. And this righteousness of God is revealed. Tell me how it's revealed. From faith to faith. Well, what if you have no faith in God or the Word or Jesus? Then you will have no revelation of this. You will not be able to see it. 
no matter how intelligent you may think you are, this book will be a closed book to you. You won't be able to understand any of it. Teaching and preaching the same way. No matter how anointed or graced it may be, you won't get any of it. Because it's revealed how? Through faith. If you believe it, you'll see it. And here's the great thing. And if you believe it more, you'll see it more. Oh, come on. Can you see this? And it is revealed how? It's revealed from faith to faith. Glory to God. That's why to him that hath shall more be given. And to him that has not will be taken away even what he seems to have. Why? If it seems like, well, they seem like these people, they just keep getting this revelation from God. And they just get more and more and more. And these other people don't seem to get anything. Well, that's exactly right. But that ain't fair. It is totally fair. It's totally fair. If they would believe, they'd see too. But see, when you take an attitude with God and go, well, prove to me that you exist. Prove to me that there's something to all this Bible stuff. Prove it to me and I'll believe it. You're saying, uh, show me first and then I'll believe. That's not how he said he does it. He said, you believe and I'll show you. Why? Because if he showed you, then you're not walking by faith. You're walking by what he showed you. You're walking by sight. And it's without faith, it's impossible to please him. You've got to believe first before you understand. Then you'll see. The psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see. Hallelujah. You don't see and believe. You believe and see. Ever heard somebody say, well, seeing is believing. Actually, it's not at all. That's wrong, wrong, wrong. Seeing's not believing. And even if you see a manifestation of the power of God, that's no indication you will have faith or believe. You can attribute it to all kinds of things. I know my dad, as a young man, went with my grandmother to a healing meeting. This would have been, oh man, 60 years ago at least. And uh, he said as a young man, he's standing in the healing line and this woman's beside him. And she had a, a large growth on the side of her neck, prominent. I mean, you couldn't miss it. It was like this. And he said when the man of God came by, said he spoke to that thing in the name of Jesus. And he said it just went down like you stuck a pin in a balloon. Just went down until her neck was just flat. She was shouting and carrying home and praising God. And uh, my grandmother got healed of cancer in that same meeting. Glory to God. And amazingly enough, her mother was in the back crowd. She got healed too. (laughs) Hallelujah. And my dad had been sickly as a boy. And apparently he got over it. I mean, he lived and, and they had me. (laughs) and was healthy in in my life you know and so uh, he said though when he was leaving that meeting think about this what if he hadn't gone to that meeting huh anyway he said as they were leaving that meeting 
he heard some men standing out there talking that had not come in. They're standing outside the door, had been looking in. And he heard them discussing it. And one of them said, yeah, he said, that, that guy had that framed up. He said, what about that growth that disappeared? He said, I don't know. He said, that was some kind of a trick. That was, he, he had that fixed up some way. That was some kind of. See, he saw a miracle right in front of his eyes. Did he believe it? No. Did he believe in God? No. Seeing is not believing. And you can see the most amazing things and still decide you don't believe. You can attribute it to a thousand and one things. If you don't want to believe, you're not going to believe. Believing is a choice. But if you want to see the good things of God, you believe. And if you want to see more, you believe more. And it's revealed from faith to faith. Hallelujah. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Are you who we're reading about here? Is this you? This phrase you'll find numerous times in the Bible. You'll find it in Habakkuk 2. You'll find it in Galatians 2. I mean, you'll find it numerous times. But uh, go with me, please, tonight to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. I tell you what, on your way, stop by chapter 2. Let's just review just a little bit for folks that weren't with us last time. 2 Timothy. Chapter 2.15, he said, study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Keep that in mind. Go right on over to the fourth chapter and the first verse. For one, he said, I charge you. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and dead at his appearing. Verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant. In season. Out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Somebody say preach the word. word. You reckon that has any similarity with the gospel? Oh, yeah. That you're not ashamed of. He said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, another way of sound doctrine is uh, sound teaching. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I wrote in the margin of my Bible some years ago, teacher, teacher, scratch my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. (laughs) that's what that means why why would it say itching ears well if your ear itches what do you want you want somebody to scratch it so what, what, what does that mean he's not talking about just a physical itch he's talking about you're itching to hear something and instead of wanting the truth what you prefer is somebody that will tell you give you things the version you want to hear You prefer that over the truth. And he said, the time's coming. And that was a long time ago. That people will not endure sound, good teaching. You know, just because teaching and ministry is really good does not mean it's really popular. Now, this is a revelation. (laughs) 
Because, you know, uh, when I first began in the ministry, some 30-some years ago, I, I knew part of the verse that said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I thought, well, that's it. People just don't know. That's the main thing. That's the big thing. People are ignorant. They don't know. When they know, they hear it, they get it, it everything will be good. But after a few years in the ministry now, <laughs> I realize that's not all there is to it. And I failed to read the rest of the verse. <laughs> that's just half a verse. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The rest of it goes on to say, because you have rejected knowledge. That's the rest of the verse. No, ignorance is not the only problem. It's not even the biggest problem. Truth is, a lot of folks have heard about Jesus and have not received him. A lot of people have heard the truth about the word of God in numerous areas. And they did not want it that way. They did not want it that way. Well, if you don't want to hear it, then you don't want to keep going where that's preached. But if you don't just want to quit going to church, then you want to find somebody that preaches what you want to hear. And as a minister, if your main thing is getting people that like what you preach and the biggest crowd, then you will tend toward adapting your message. To what's currently or socially or politically favored. <laughs> We're wading off into it now, are we? Come on, come on. Well, are we reading scriptures? Is the Bible true? Come on, read it again. Read it again. The time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. Sound doctrine would be good teaching. But after their own lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Verse 4. And they'll turn away their ears from the truth. Now, these are not Satanist meetings. (laughs) Who's he talking about? These are people going to church. These are people having meetings. And these are people that don't want to hear the truth. And yet they want to hear teaching. But not that. <laughs> and they'll be turned to what? Fables. Now friend, if there's ever a generation that focused on fables, that's us. Let me give you another word for fable. Movie. <laughs> Show. What? Something that's not real. It's a story, but it's not real. Beware of gospel fiction. I mean, the two words really don't go together. And I'm not knocking anybody. I don't have anybody in mind. I don't have any book or, or movie in mind. None. But having the ears turned from truth... How many understand there's plenty of good things to find out about the truth without giving yourself to fiction? You know what the danger is in the fiction? 
is that you forget it's fiction. It's the same thing with movies, with shows. I've counseled with people concerning their marriage before who are all upset, getting ready to leave each other. And uh, this one couple, this, this young lady, she told me, well, he, uh, he doesn't treat me like so-and-so treats so-and-so. And I looked at him, and he's about to cry. And I said, who's that? And he said, Brother Keith, it's this couple on a show. I said, a show? She, she said, well, yeah, but you know. I said, no. They're not real. They don't treat each other that way. Action. They read their lines or recite their lines. And then he goes, cut. And they walk away and go to their trailer. Is that right? This is not real. He doesn't love her like that. She doesn't love him like that. And look at their real life and their real relationships. He's on marriage number eight. She's on living situation number ten. Come on, are you listening? They do not have this life. That you, how many understand, if you compare something that's real to something that's not real, you are a fool. If you compare something that's real to something that's not real, you're being a fool. And that's the danger of feeding on falseness all the time is because you can forget this is not real. And the enemy is the master of faults. He's actually the father of faults. The devil conceived and fathered lying. Lying did not come from God. It is impossible for God to lie. There is nothing more devilish than lying and deception. It is absolutely one of the worst things on the planet, in the universe. There's no such thing as a harmless lie. It's as devilish as it gets. Make up your mind. I don't care how how many times you may have done it in the past. Make up your mind. I'm done. My lying days are over. I am done with deception. Why? Because to yield to it is to yield to the devil himself. It it is to partner up with him to deceive somebody. You do not want to have any part of that. But uh, he said, let's read this verse again. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and what will they want to hear? What's a fable? It's a tale. Something that's not real. Something that's not true. When you'd rather hear a fable than the truth, something's wrong. Verse 5, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. He went on to talk about him, he's being ready to depart. The truth is what we choose. Can you say amen? amen. Say it out loud. The truth, the truth. Is, my is my choice. Hallelujah. Without going any further with this right now. Let me give you an example. 
The Lord dealt with me about this earlier this week, and I feel like I need to share it with you too. When we say these things, your mind tends to go off on something that would be obvious to you to be a fable or an untruth. But let me mention a couple to you (laughs) that are going to sound very familiar. God is in complete control (laughs) of everything all the time. This is believed widely throughout Christian circles. But it's not true. And the enemy is very subtle in the way he he does things. He he transforms himself into a being of light, the scripture says. An angel of light. He didn't come to you as the devil. He's much sharper than that. He comes to you trying to convince you that what he's telling you is from God. He's very deceptive, very tricky. A perfect example of this is him tempting Jesus in the wilderness during those 40 days and nights. Do you remember that? And when he couldn't move Jesus just through the desire of the flesh and human appetites, if you be the Son of God, make command these stones that they be made bread, and Jesus quoted the word to him, didn't he? Man shall not live. By bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So now what does the enemy do now? What does he do? He shifts from just pulling on the flesh to what? To a distortion of scripture. Because what's Jesus going to come back to him with? Scripture. So he just tries to skip ahead and get on scripture with him to start with. This is how he always operates. And he said, took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, jump off, throw yourself off because it is written. It is written. He'll give his angels charge concerning you and they'll bear you up in your hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now you believe that, don't you? Then prove it. Do it. You're a doer of the word, aren't you? <laughs> so then do it. Come on, you, you believe it or not? Well, if you believe it, you'll jump. Jump. Prove that you have faith in what God said. This is how the enemy comes. Subtle, crafty, deceptive. And so he brings revelations of distortions of the word. For folks to teach to people who don't want to hear the truth. That gives them something else to go to. And something else to believe. To avoid and refuse the truth. Let me give you another one. Are you ready? I've been on this one the last few days. and This is kind of unusual. But I I felt like I'm supposed to share it with you too. Let go and let God. Huh? What? Huh? What scripture is that? What scripture is that? <laughs> Go to 1 Timothy, please. Let's look at some scripture and see what we think about all this. 1 Timothy 6. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Is the devil tricky? Oh, man, he's tricky. He is so deceptive and tricky. In 1 Timothy 6.12, what did he say? 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of faith and just let go. (laughs) Just let go and let God do it. No. Lay hold on eternal life. What's tied with laying hold? Fight. Is that letting God do it all? Now, if you're talking about casting all your cares over on the Lord and resting in Him and not worrying and not fretting, of course that's right. But it'd be better to just say what he said. But the problem is, so many times there's something else being said in these phrases. And that is, it's all God and none of me. It's all him. Another phrase for all God is all grace. Are y'all with me? It's all grace and none of us. Then that means let go and let God is right. If it's all God and all grace. Is it all God? Or do we have a part? What's our part? The just shall live by faith. It's revealed how to live the righteousness of God, all these things, from faith to faith. Is faith God's part? No. No. That's where folks have gotten off. That's where folks have gone wrong. This is no new revelation. It's all God. It's all grace. This has been around a long, long, long time in many different denominational circles that everything that happens is God and it's all up to God and nothing up to us. What did the scripture say? And we're reading right here. Fight the good fight of faith and do what? Lay hold. That's not let go. <laughs> That's not let go. There's a big difference between letting go and laying hold. And I know there's other scripture that says, hold fast that which you have. Hold fast. Boy, that's the exact opposite of let go. Are y'all with me, saints? Go over to Hebrews. 10th chapter. Hebrews 10 and 38. Hebrews 10, 38. What does it say? Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man do what? 
draw back. Dewey translation says, if he withdraws himself, my soul will have no pleasure in him. That don't sound like you need to back off and turn loose and let go and just leave it all up to him. He said, if you do, if you back off and you turn loose of it, I'm not going to have pleasure in that. Why? Well, this is 1038, just a few verses later in Hebrews 11, 6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. That wouldn't be faith. Faith is not a passive waiter. Faith is a step up and step out. Taker. Not trying to take something from God that he didn't want you to have. It's laying hold of something that has already been provided. But we're down here in the middle of a curse-filled, dark, devil-filled earth. Where the enemy will try to resist you. And prevent you from receiving what belongs to you and I in Christ. And is it all up to God? Whether we enjoy what he has given us? No. The receiving by faith is not up to God. And the resisting the devil by faith is not up to God. That's not his part. He's given us that part. That's our part. Takes faith to live the victorious life. Doesn't it? Those justified, made righteous by faith in Christ. The same way you got born again, that's the way you live every day of your life. Come on, let's back it up to this. Being born again. Being born again. Is it all grace? Is it all up to God? Who is born again and who is not? No. It's what? Go to Ephesians. Second chapter. See it sounds good. To the. Unenlightened. It's all God. Sounds like you're being respectful of God. God is in control of everything. Everything is God's mysterious will working out. It sounds like you're wiser than other people and that you're showing more respect. But it ain't respectful when you're contradicting what the Lord himself said in his Bible. And it's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy prefers that you believe God is responsible for everything and there is no devil. That's his favorite thing for people to believe. So that you won't resist him because you don't even believe he exists. And you're going to blame God for every bad thing in your life because he's in control. Must have had a purpose. Must have had a reason. The people get mad over this stuff, which is another indicator that it's wrong. We, you know, the Lord gave us a series along these lines some months ago called You Choose. If God is in total control of everything, 
There can be no if. What do you mean? The Lord said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose. Didn't he say that? And then he go on to say, if you obey me, these blessings are come on you. All these good things. If you don't, these curses are come. How many understand if God's controlling everything and everybody, there can be no if. There is no if. But if he in his sovereignty, in his wisdom, in his omniscience, he chose to leave some things up to us then you cannot leave up to him what he already just left up to you. (laughs) But there's a whole lot of church-going people do not like this message. They don't like it. It's true, but they don't like it. They want someone to tell them it's not your fault. No matter what happens, it's not your fault. It's the mysterious will of God. No matter what does not happen in your life, it's not your fault. It's all God. And millions of people prefer that message over the truth. They prefer it. Problem is, you keep getting beat in life. Come on, do you hear me? The enemy keeps stealing and killing and destroying in your life. And you keep missing out on the blessings of God. The gospel, I believe uh, Dr. John G. Lake said, the gospel is the strong man's religion. <laughs> what? It's not for the faint of heart. What do you mean? It means you strap on your armor and you use your faith and the greater one inside you and you overcome every obstacle and you wade through anything the enemy tries to come against you in. Is that right? You are a fighter. You are a winner. You are an overcomer and more than a conqueror. That ain't let go and let God do it all. That's get up and get after it. And lay. of course you can't do anything without his help. But what is help after all? (laughs) Let's talk about this a little bit. While we're on the subject. This is a common prayer. I've prayed it many, many times. You've prayed it many, many times. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Lord, help me with this. Help me with that. Help me with this. Help me with my body. Help me with my finances. Help me with my family. Help me on this. Help me if you got a problem. Lord, help me. Quit spending so much. Lord, help me. (laughs) Quit eating so many pies and cakes. Lord, help me. Help me. (laughs) Control my mouth. Lord, help me. Help me. Lord, help me. Anybody ever prayed? Lord, help me. Somebody say, you're not going to say that's wrong, are you? No. (laughs) No, I am not. Because you need to come boldly before the throne of grace and get you some grace to help, help you in the time of need. But, 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 
But let's say I said, Rob, you know, Tom, several of the guys up here, come up here and help me move this piano. Come on, help me. And then I go over here and sit down. <laughs> if they help me, what would they do? They would come over there and sit down beside me because that's what I'm doing. If you're going to help me, then you're going to help me do what I'm doing. So really, when people are praying, Lord, help me. That's not what they mean. What do they mean? Lord, do it for me. Do it all for me while I lay here on the couch and drink some more iced tea and eat some more tater chips and watch some more TV. Help help me. You, you ain't said it right. If you're honest, you say, would you do it all while I do nothing? Or make me do it, please. He's not going to do that. Oh, God. Just please just take my brain away and just make me do right. Please. He can't answer that prayer. He gave you a mind. I said he gave you a mind. The Holy Spirit is the comforter who is also called what? The helper. Capital H. What does a helper do? Helps. But before he can help you, there's got to be something to help. Something to assist. He can't help you pray unless you're praying. The Lord can't multiply your seed unless you sow a seed. He can't help you kick a habit, overcome a problem. Unless you are willing to do something yourself. Until you are willing to give him something. Now if you will do what you can do. Having faith in him to help you. Then when you reach the end of your ability. You'll come into some grace. You'll come into some strength. You'll come into some help. But if you sit back and refuse to do anything. And try to get him to do it all. You're just going to sit in that situation. Because he's not the one sent to do it for you. He sent to help us do it, to assist us. We have a part. God has ordained that there is a manward part and there's a Godward part. We can't do his part. He won't do our part. Are y'all with me, friend? In Ephesians 2, did you find it? Such a great, wonderful passage of scripture here. Well, the Lord's helping us tonight, saints. I know he is. Ephesians 2, verse 1. You has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Skip on down to verse 4. God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. 
and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now this is a a good definition of grace. One of the big words that defines grace is kindness. Kindness. Somebody said, well, Favor, unmerited favor, that's true, but it's part of it. it, You're limiting it. Grace is one of the biggest words in the Bible. You're talking about God. And grace, the Hebrew words, mean to bend down or stoop down in kindness to. That paints a picture, doesn't it? Grace is God reaching down to us. When we couldn't reach up. When we couldn't get there. And it is him giving us free gifts. Somebody say free gifts. Anybody know what a free gift is? That's something you did not. And in this case could not pay for. And these are things. His grace are things We do not deserve. We could not deserve. Free gift. And he's he's describing. He keeps using that word grace. In this second chapter. Describing what God has done for us. How he gave Jesus. And sent Jesus. And how Jesus. I mean that's literally coming down. Right? And bending down and stooping down to our low condition where Adam and Eve had sold out humanity. And because of sin and the curse and death, we were, I guess, about as far from heaven and holiness as you could get. But Jesus, hallelujah, became a man. Wow. And came down and bent down and stooped down and not only reached out to us, took our sin onto himself and into himself and bore the judgment for all that. And in so doing, gave us righteousness and holiness and sanctification and wisdom and redemption, and full salvation, and it is completely unearned, undeserved, free gift from God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us and help us every day, free gift, free gift. Healing, free gift. Is that right? Prosperity, protection, free gift, free, free Free. None of us did or could do anything to be deserving of it, to earn it, for it to be owed to us. Free gift. Free gift. So by grace, we are saved. Both of those words are huge words. The word grace, it encompasses so much. And the word saved encompasses so much. When you said, I'm saved, you said a mouthful. Saved from what? I mean, the list is long. Yeah, you saved from hell, but there's a whole lot that goes with that. But keep reading. This salvation that is so abundant, that is so glorious, that is so free, 
Is it all up to God who enjoys this salvation? Who gets this experience of salvation? Is it all up to him? Or another way of saying that, is it all up to his grace? Another way of saying it, is it all up to what he has given? No, it's not. Timothy says this, God is the Savior of all men, especially them that believe. Why say that? Why say that? Because what he has given is available to all men. But it will only be experienced by those who believe. Is that right? So it's not all grace. It's available all by grace. But God does not receive it for us. Come on, can you see this? Which is the very next verse? Verse 8. For by grace are you saved, what? Through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Keep reading, verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now let's just stop right here. It's popular among some circles nowadays to speak mockingly about works. Not of works. And anything that anybody would go to do to say, that's works. That's works. That's works. But that shows an ignorance of the word. Because there's more than one kind of works. There's the works of the law. And that's what he's talking about in that verse. But read the very next verse. Let's read them together. Read verse 9 and then 10. Verse 9 and 10. What did he say? Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under what? I thought it wasn't by works. It's not. But there's some works involved. People have just lumped all works together and implied that that's bad. Man, if it's works, that's bad. You need to get out of that. That's works. Works is what you're born again for. And you've got to differentiate between endeavoring to be justified by the works of the law or the good works that you're created unto. I'm, you know, we mentioned a minute ago about Phyllis and I having a busy schedule this month. And man, I'm working, we're flying around and I ain't done yet. I'm working. I'm not working to be saved. I'm not working that God would look at me and go, you're a good hard worker, Keith. I'm going to count you righteous. I'm going to count you. You're going to be saved. You're going to make it through the pearly gates if you just keep working harder and don't let up. No. I'm working to be saved. I'm working because this is what I was created to do. Hallelujah. And I'm doing this because I love him. And because I love you and people. And I want to be a blessing. And I want to make a difference. Hallelujah. That's what I, I, I have a voice so I can do this right now. I got a body so I can do this right now. 
I got legs and cars and airplanes so I can go into all the world and preach the good news. Hallelujah. Works. You, you'd better believe it. Yeah. Lots of works. The Bible talks about works of power. It talks about works of faith. The work of the ministry. The work of the kingdom. Don't speak disparagingly of works and just lump them all together. You have to differentiate. What are you talking about? We're not working to be saved. But once you are saved, there's a whole lot of things God has for you and I. Is that right? He's got a whole plan laid out before us, doesn't he? That we're supposed to find and follow and finish. That we are supposed to bear fruit along the way. And I mean look at the example of Paul. Did the man work? Did he go through some stuff? Was he trying to get saved? Was he trying to be a good enough man? No he wasn't. He told us you're not saved through the works of the law. You're saved by grace through your faith. But now, what were you born again for? What were you created for? Works. Right? And those works involve taking your faith and the help of the Holy Spirit and the authority and power in the name of Jesus and every grace and ability God has added to you and you go out into this world and you overcome every obstacle and you reach those goals and you take that land. Come on, are you listening to me? That's not working to be saved. That's working to accomplish his plan. Do you see that, friends? Go with me over to Timothy. Let's confirm this with more scripture. Hallelujah. I got so much scripture I'm having to pick at you. Actually, Titus is where I want you to go to. Thank you, Lord. Titus 3. Somebody say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. It's the power of God under salvation. In Titus 3, verse 1, is Titus written to us as believers? Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and to be ready to every good work. That's, all of these are unpopular messages today. <laughs> He's talking about submission to people that are over you and working. Both very unpopular messages today. Verse 4, after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Hallelujah. By grace, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace. Now, what's another way of saying by his grace? By his free gift. By what he so freely gave us. Is salvation a gift? The cleansing, the blood, the righteousness, eternal life, gift, 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 free gift. By his gift, 
We should, being justified by his gift, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will, that you affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God, do what? Do what? Might be careful to maintain good works. I thought it wasn't by works. No works. No works. I mean, that's a cry of some today. No works. If there's no works, there's no church. There's no fulfilling the Great Commission. Right? How many understand? Somebody did some work around here this week. Working on the grounds, vacuuming, cleaning, mopping, bathrooms. It's no wonder a lot of folks don't like works. The flesh don't like works. So that's a popular message to folks that don't like work. Very popular message. They, they just heard one clip. No works? Hey, I'm in. Sign me up for no works. <laughs> it's work to do the work of the ministry. That's why it's called work. Right? Requires effort. Doesn't it? You spend your time. You spend your effort. You spend your sweat. I mean, I I stayed in the hotel pretty much all day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. And you might think, well, man, that's a lazy bum. (laughs) I had services every night in the meeting. And people, we had ministers there from... uh, different countries around the world and they came there, set aside their time. It costs money and effort to get there. And they're looking for answers. They're looking for direction. They're looking for revelation and for help. What would you do showed up in there? I I prayed and I sought God. And there were times I got to feel like I don't have it. I don't have it. So what do I do? I'm looking for it. I'm searching. I studied. I must have looked at 3,000 scriptures. Come on, are y'all with me? Work. Effort. Now, you don't have anything unless the Lord gives it to you. And when he gives it to you, it's a gift. You shouldn't take credit for it. You didn't come up with it. You didn't figure it out. But how many understand, if you don't look for it, you're not going to find it. And if you don't look in faith, and I had, we had to be willing to get up, and, and if it was early, to pack, to do all the stuff, to travel, right? You've got to be willing. Work. 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 I'm not working to get saved. I'm saved. If I don't do another sermon, I'm saved. Right? If I don't help anybody else again, I'm saved. My name's in the book. Right? This is not about works of keeping the law. I haven't been doing that for decades. And yet there's a lot of folks confused. That anything you would do is somehow works. No, no. Not works of keeping the law. Works of righteousness. Work of the ministry. Works of faith. Works of power. Good works. That you will be rewarded for. Hallelujah. That people will benefit from. That will bear much fruit for the kingdom. And fruit that remains. Man, if you're not working, you're wasting time. 
You're missing out on days that you'll never get back. Opportunities that you'll never have to do some things that God could use. Lord, help me. I'm sure a lot of times he says, do what? (laughs) Help you with what? You're not doing anything. In fact, let me share this with you. I think we can close here. When I was working at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, I was uh, helping Brother Hagin in his ministry there in Oklahoma, helping in the healing school. He was teaching in the healing school. And uh, as time went on, he became more and more involved in other things. And uh, it was strong on his heart because as a teenager, he was pronounced incurable. He had more than one condition in his body that they said he'd ne- nobody in his condition had ever lived past 16 years of age. And when he got to be, you know, 14 and 15, he went the way all of them said he, all the doctors said he would go. He became paralyzed, bed fast. He had a heart, his heart wasn't properly developed, incurable blood disease. They said if that other things hadn't killed him, that would kill him. And so uh, he had no hope. And uh, he found God on that bed. He said, he said as, a, as a little Baptist boy reading Grandma's Methodist Bible, he found Mark 11, 23 and 24. And he found about faith and healing and came up off that bed. Hallelujah. God raised him up. And then he went and preached for 60 plus years all over the world. That's a miracle, isn't it? Our ministry and many others came out of, of his ministry. So healing school was close to his heart, you know. He knows what it's like to be there, and he wanted a place to help people. Well, I got it in my heart, too, as I was there working with him. And at one point, he said, I'm not going to be able to be here all the time. Who has this on their heart? I looked around, and I thought, me? He's just talking about three of us. And uh, I said, well, I do. He said, yeah, I know. And so uh, we became more and more involved in it. And so I became, I began soon to be the main one that would be laying hands on the people there instead of him. Well, I felt <laughs> inadequate. I mean, here he's had a visitation from the head of the church. He talks about a, a tangible anointing that he ministered to people with and amazing miracles that had happened in his ministry. And then Thursday we're having laying on of hands and it's going to be Keith who? <laughs> So I I felt inadequate. So I began to seek the Lord earnestly. Lord, and what I had come to see is the thing that makes the difference, uh, other than the faith, is the anointing. The anointing removes the, the burden, destroys the yoke. And I knew the stronger the anointing, the better. And so I, I began to seek the Lord and implore him for more anointing. You know, more anointing. Kind of like what Brother Hagin had. You know, I, I wasn't going to claim that exactly, but I knew I needed more. So I'm asking him, and I must have asked him a hundred times, Lord, more anointing. I'm, I'm seeking you, asking you. I'm going to lay hands on these people. Let the anointing come stronger and stronger. And I must have said it, like I said, a hundred, two hundred times. And uh, the Lord spoke to me in the floor praying. He said, faithfulness. Faithfulness. I knew it was him. And I thought, and I'm not hearing an audible voice now, but just inside me. I thought, Lord, that's great. Yes, sir. Faithfulness. But what I could really use right now 
We're about to go lay hands on people. It's some more anointing. And I kept on. And, and he said to me again, faithfulness, son. Faithfulness. I thought, yes, sir. I know faithfulness is important. I know it is. I'm, I'm about, what, five years in the ministry at this time. I'm, I'm still pretty young. I, said, I know it, Lord. And uh, I'm going to do a study on faithfulness. <laughs> and I'm going to find out more what you're talking about. <laughs> but <laughs> what I could really use <laughs> right now. <laughs> some more anointing. Some anointing. And I, I, I didn't get it the first several times. He said to me again. I kept, I kept asking him, you know. Uh, and he said, Faithfulness. And, and, and I said, yes, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting it, am I? Help me. And I just opened myself up, and I saw it. He, he gave me these phrases. He said, son, all of my children receive an anointing when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that true? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me. He said, all of my children receive an anointing when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. He said many of them have done nothing with it. Why would they need more? So we're back to what we're talking about, aren't we? You don't need a greater anointing to watch TV with. <laughs> right? Or to just goof off or fish or play golf. You know what? What do you need the anointing for? And uh, he said this to me. He said, be faithful with what you have and I'll increase you. Be faithful with what you have and I'll add to you. See, that's how it comes. That's how all of it comes. He'll give you something. And to you, it may seem small. Brother Hagen didn't start off in the anointing. He, he was operating in 50 years later right. when I was praying about this. Did he? No, he told when he first began his ministry, he had no tangible anointing. He had a bottle of oil and he, he anointed people with oil and just prayed for them in faith. And people got helped. And it was later and over the course of time that those greater things were added to him. The Lord said to me, be faithful in what I've given you. See, that's why the enemy wants to get you to uh, disparage what you have. And compare yourself with somebody else all the time and then look down narrowly at what you have. Why? Because he knows if he can get you to do that, you're stuck. You'll never advance. You'll never develop. I saw it. I said, forgive me, Lord. I hadn't been thankful for what you've given me. I said, thank you. I got it. I got it. So I quit begging for more anointing. You know what I began to do? I'd read the scriptures in Matthew. I'd read them in Mark where it says he talked about that uh, he gave them authority and power to go out and, and heal the sick and to cast out devils. And I begin to say, I'm anointed. The anointing is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. I'd lay there on the floor and say it for 30 minutes. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And you know what would happen? Man, the longer I'd lay there and say that and believe that, I'd begin to sense his presence. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then I, I ministered with all the faith I had and with all the anointing I had. 
And you know what happened? Year after year after year, it began to get stronger. Come on, can you see this? I have my part. See, see, people want to circumvent that. They just want to pass all that and come up and say, lay your hands on me and give me that anointing. If somebody says they can, they're either confused or lying. Because if they have a grace and anointing in their life, they didn't give it to their self. And since they didn't give it to their self, they can't give it to you. Now, if the Lord directs, he can take of something and minister to you. You know, we just had a laying on of hands for the graduate Sunday. But he's not going to give you the full measure of something that's on somebody that's been faithful for 50 years. Come on, are you listening? It just doesn't work that way. He will add something to you, and if you use it. See, what do you need more for if you're not going to do anything with it? If you use it, it'll get stronger. He'll add to you. Didn't he say faithful? He that's faithful in that which is least is going to be faithful in more. Right? Hallelujah. Be faithful in what you have. A lot of people would like to handle big money. Oh, God, give me some money. Let me have some real money. (laughs) What would you do with real money? Well, I'd do great things. No, Jesus said you would do exactly what you're doing with what you have right now. That's what he said. And that's true. So we don't need to be thinking about what I could do with a million dollars or ten million dollars or a billion dollars. What did the Lord tell me to do with my five dollars? With my 10, with my 20, with my 100. Is that right? If I'm faithful with the five, he knows he can trust me with more. Is that right? And he'll do it. I know looking back over Phyllis in my life, there's place after place where you could have ignored that. And you could not have done that. And there's times it was not convenient to do that. But it was a test. Will you do it or not? Will you trust him or not? And when you obeyed him, I mean, there's no more conversation. You have demonstrated. You'll do what he told you to do with what was a lot to you. Might not be big to everybody, but it was big to you. It was what you had. And what does he know now? He can trust you with more. And next thing you know, you will have more. It'll be in your hands. But at any time you get to where you won't do what he tells you to do with it, you're capped. That's as far as you can go. If you won't do what he tells you to do with it. There is a Godward side. Thank God for the grace. But there is a manward side. And we must not act like it doesn't exist. Or that it's all up to God. And the God side. Is the grace side. Do we need to work on the grace side? Do we need to work on God's side? And and the giving side. We do not. He is faithful. He has provided it. He has given it. Right? He's already done it. What side do we need to work on? Our side. The faith side. The just shall live by faith. He could have said the just shall live by grace. Couldn't he? He could have said without grace it's impossible to please God. Couldn't he? He could have said grace is the victory that overcomes the world. Couldn't he? But he didn't. Why? Because that's God's part. Our part is faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall walk by faith. 
By faith you receive. By faith you receive from God. By faith you resist the devil. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. You need to be stoked about faith. Is that right? You need to be excited about faith. Because this whole thing is progressive from faith to faith. And as soon as you come up a notch in your faith, you're going to come up a notch in your life. Hallelujah. Phyllis and I have seen this in our own lives year after year after year. As soon as we come up in our faith, here comes increased vision. Here comes increased call. Here comes increased anointing and supply. And sometimes you shake your head and you think, I thought I was waiting on him. (laughs) And we weren't waiting on him at all. He'd been waiting on us to come on up. Come on up. Come on. Think bigger. Believe bigger. Be willing to step out bigger. And as soon as you do, hallelujah, you advance. Even though there's enemies that try to hinder you, you don't let them stop you. You go right through them. You go right over them. Got your armor on. Got your sword of the spirit. Is that right? And you lay hold of what's been given you and you hold it fast. Quite a difference from letting go and letting God do everything. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Go ahead and play, guys. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. 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 Say it out loud, Lord, I receive your word. Bring it to my remembrance. Again and again. Tonight. Tomorrow. The next day, the next week, the next month, till I am established fully in these truths. And I will give you glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.